Our text for this evening is verse 7 of chapter 1, the, the second part, that is, where we read that the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Under the title, The Right Way of Obtaining and Maintaining Communion with God, I wish to look at, number one, the evil, the disease, the stain the, that exists Number two, the remedy offered to us. And number three, its blessed result to all those who come. As we read that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin, the first question we ask is, why do people need to be cleansed? What kind of uncleanness is this that John here speaks of? The uncleanness being referred to here in our text, or in my text this evening, is not so much, or is not at all, a physical bodily uncleanness. John here is not talking about the need to go and take a shower, to go and clean, cleanse stains from our body. John is talking about moral or spiritual uncleanness. God's word speaks of sin often in terms of filth, of a spiritual uh, uncleanness. Our Lord Jesus said in Matthew 15, 18, those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile man. We are sin, the Lord speaks of sin as being a defilement of man. Romans 1, 24 uses the term uncleanness in this moral and spiritual sense. When it says that God gave them up to uncleanness, gave them up to uncleanness, uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. So sexual sin, as an example as a, uh, here, is used to bring this idea of being defiled of being unclean in the presence of God. That's something that makes a person filthy in the presence or in the eyes of God. All men, all mankind, the entire human race in the eyes of God are unclean because of sin. Psalm 14, verse 3 in the AV, says the following, they, are, they all are gone aside. They all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So you see, in the Bible, we hear of this terminology of sin as defilement, as being spiritually and morally filthy in the presence of God. And we know that every person, even as we read Psalm 14, verse 3, that every person by nature, as they are born, are born filthy in the sight of God. And thus, they need to be washed. They need to be cleansed. Sin is the exact opposite of who God is. God is holy. Sin is unholy. God sees sin as uncleanness. God considers wrongdoing to be a filthy thing. 
And thus sin is a disgusting thing and repulsive thing to God. God abhors sin. God detests sin. All sin is in a sense obnoxious to God. It's that kind of smell. It's that kind of look that makes God, humanly speaking, anthropomorphically speaking, be repulsed by. That's why we can have no fellowship with God while we are in our sins. That's why we can have no communion with God while we are defiled by our own sins. We are unclean in the eyes of a pure, holy God. Our darkness cannot mingle with the light of God. To use the imagery that John here brings out in this chapter. John, indeed, is not talking to unbelievers here, is he? And I won't mention this uh, every time we go along, but John here is talking about much more than just obtaining communion with God, that first step into the, into the life of, uh, uh, of being pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. John is here talking about maintaining He's not only talking about being justified, he's talking about being sanctified in the presence of God. It is very much the means and the, and the, of obtaining and the means of maintaining this fellowship with God. It is an awful thing to have no communion with God. And God made sure to represent this to us in the scripture. You look at the Old Testament and you see that people were considered to be ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. That someone who was ceremonially unclean could not come into the tabernacle or into the temple that represents the presence of God. Because of uncleanness, they could not come into the presence of God. They could not make an appearance before God as such. Not only that, because of their uncleanness, everything they touched became unclean in the process. You see, defilement of sin cuts off mankind from, from the presence, the communion, or the worship of God. A person in the Old Testament could be defiled by touching a dead body. You touch an unclean thing, you become unclean. You could be, a person could be defiled by coming into contact with certain diseases. In fact, the ultimate example of this in the Old Testament is the, sin, uh, is the disease of leprosy. Leviticus 13 and 14 speak of, of this uncleanness, leprosy, as being the, the epitome of an example of, of uncleanness. Everyone who had leprosy, until they were healed from leprosy, they could not come even into the city of, of God's people. They were unclean. They had to live outside of, of the city because of this filthy disease. They could not come into the town. And all these things were types and pictures for us, for God to teach us that uncleanness of sin in a person's life bars, presents a chasm that cannot be bridged. God cannot look upon the sin of mankind, of mankind and accept it. We are filthy, defiled in the presence of God. In God's sight, it pollutes. 
it defiles and shuts a person from its from the very presence of God, cuts him off of worship. But our text here speaks of cleansing. I remember when I was a, a young a young man uh, starting off uh, going to church even before I became a believer and hearing about this cleansing in the blood and I, I always felt uh, weirded out it's like how can you be cleansed by something as uh, defiling as blood it's like you, you don't wash your stains by, by rubbing uh, more blood or... but the, the reason why I felt so weirded about it because I didn't understand the spiritual nature of it in the Old Testament, the only way someone would be cleansed from this defilement of sin was by the sacrifice of, a, of an animal. They knew that the animal was taking away the guilt, that there needed to be a cleansing by the blood of that animal. And here we are told that Jesus Christ, His Son, the Son of God, cleanses us from all sin. That it is the, the cleansing of Jesus Christ that, that washes us. In the Old Testament, believers knew this. David spoke in, David, in Psalm 51. He, spoke, he, he prayed to God, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. In Isaiah, we read the prophet saying, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Hebrews 1.3 says that Christ himself purged or made cleansing for our sin. Each and every one of us can be cleansed of that defilement, of that sin, in the blood of Christ and in the blood of Christ alone. We need to be washed. We need to be cleansed. We need to have the uncleanness, the defilement taken away from us. And this brings us to, in the second place, to consider the agent, the remedy given to us. We know this, don't we, in our own lives. We need to apply the correct agent, the correct cleansing agent. Women in particular, and I'm, I'm not trying to be sexist here, but women in particular, you know all about the kinds of stains that can come into, into contact with clothes, and it, it, you know the kind of things that will work better. If you have something uh, that needs to be cleaned, you know the, the, the kind of product to apply. Same thing is true, uh, to use another example, if we are trying to, to clean uh, a patio, you will not wash, uh, use dishwash, uh, dish, uh, dishwash uh, to, to try and clean, clean a, a patio. You will use proper strong detergent. There is an appropriate detergent, a degreaser or a cleaner to use in those, in those cases. What about the sinfulness of sin? What about the defilement of sin? What is the, the, the cleansing agent that we need? 
We are told we are sinners. We are told that we have sinned against God, that we have sinned uh, against his will, against his law. We are told that we the only thing we do is sin, that our sins are numberless. We are told in Scripture that we are indeed truly 100% from the bottom of our feet to the top of our heads defiled with sin, completely and utterly defiled we are by nature under the just condemnation of God. What is the cleansing agent? How can we cleanse ourselves? How can we, how can we have hope in ourselves? We are told that we cannot cleanse ourselves. That we can render no satisfaction in the presence of God for, for our crimes. That our best works are impure. That our prayers, that our, that our prayers are, need to be pardoned as well. That the best works of, of the wicked are like filthy rags in the presence of God. So how is it that we as guilty, filthy, diseased, defiled, criminal human beings can be forgiven? The cleansing agent, we are told, is the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. When a sinner wants filth and uncleanness of his sins to be washed away, he needs the cleansing agent of the blood of Christ. It is the blood of Jesus Christ, God's own dear Son, that cleanses us from all sin. From, from all sin, John says. Not from just some sins. Not just from the common everyday, as the Roman Catholics call it, the venial sins. Not just from the, 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 the small sins of our lives. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from the big sins, the extraordinary sins that we commit. Every sin, every kind of sin. Sins that we have committed before we were saved. And as John is trying to point out here, for us believers... He wrote this letter for believers. Even the sins we committed after we were saved, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, he says. Can you conceive of any sin that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot cleanse you of? I would argue no. The Bible allows you to know such conception. All sins are forgiven in Christ Jesus if you are cleansed by this fountain that was opened on Calvary. All sins. There is only one sin that is said that will be unpardonable. And for that pardon is never sought, is it? That is why that sin is unpardonable. Unpardonable. That's why there is no remission for that sin. Because the blood of Jesus was never pleaded for that sin. Can never be pleaded. It's the sin of unbelief. Let me tell you this. Believer and unbeliever old person, young person, all of you that listen, there is not one sin that you have committed that Christ is unable to cleanse you from. I promise you that. Because he cleanses from all sin. His blood cleanses you from all sin. If you have numerous sins, 
His blood cleanses you from those sins. If your sins are more than the, the stars in heaven or more than the, the, the grains of sand in the beach, His blood cleanses you from all those sins. The blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient and efficient to cleanse you from all sin. Why is that? Why is it that His blood is so, so efficient and so sufficient for these things? Because it is the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son. It is an in infinitely valuable blood. It is not the blood of, uh, uh, of someone who fell into this, uh, into the, fell into this uh, mission. Someone taken off the street, picked up at random. No, it is the blood of the most precious, infinitely worthy person in the eyes of God the Father. It is His Son, His own beloved Son, whom He loved from, the, from eternity past. It is through His Son. That's why there is an infinite efficacy to His blood. Because He is infinitely worthy. Because He's infinitely valuable. And we are told the moment we exercise faith in Him, the moment the sinner rests in Him, whether it be a, an, uh, an unforgiven sinner who never knew of this cleansing, whether it be a, a, a redeemed sinner who needs to come afresh, as John here exhorts the believers reading this letter, come afresh for, for the forgiveness of sins. If you come trusting in Him, pleading His, his cleansing blood, Trusting Him and Him alone for, him, for acceptance and, and communion with God. You will be forgiven. You will be cleansed. If we are treated as if we have... Uh, if we don't trust ourselves, if we trust Him and Him alone, we will be cleansed. It is the blood of Jesus, His Son. It is a blood that is infinite, infinitely precious. That's why we can plead it. Notice that it, the, John is not talking about anything else. Although he talks here about walking in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. He's talking about, he doesn't talk about anything else. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He doesn't say the blood of Jesus Christ and your your going down into the waters of baptism. He doesn't say the blood of Jesus Christ and your good works cleanses you from all sin. He doesn't say the, the blood of Jesus Christ and your participation in the communion table cleanses you from all sin. It's the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus alone that cleanses you from all sin. That's what he says. Nothing else. Not coming to the table, not going down into the waters of baptism as some would want it to mean. It is the blood of Jesus, His Son, and the blood of Jesus, His Son alone. Nothing is said here about your experience of His cleansing blood. He does not say that you need to walk in the light and then you'll be cleansed from your sin. No, He's saying that you are cleansed from your sin, therefore you need to walk in the light. 
It does not say that our having fellowship with God cleanses us from sin. No, our cleansing from sin brings us into fellowship, into communion with God. We obtain it by the cleansing of His blood. And not only that, as John here is trying to emphasize, we obtain it and we maintain it. Let us not lie. Let us not deceive ourselves as He says. Let, uh, let us not say that we have not sinned. Let us not make little of His sacrifice. Let us not make him a liar. We obtain and we maintain fellowship and communion with God through his blood. And this is so important. And we so often forget this in our own lives, Christians. We often try to then maintain our fellowship with him by our own works. And then we feel miserable. And then we don't have any assurance. And then we don't have any comfort in this life. Why? Because our works are not able to cleanse our consciences. Let me say this as well. It is the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, that cleanses us from all sin. It is not our experience of that blood. Our experience bears no, no weight in this. Whether you realize it fully or you just realize it in part, whether your faith is great as the faith of Abraham or small like those disciples in the boat, you're, this comes not into play in that. It, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you regardless of the measure or the size of your faith, regardless of your emotions or, or your feelings or experiences of that. It is the blood that is the one atonement. The blood without any mixture with anything else besides it. And this is good news. This is good news to great, the greatest of sinners. That there is indeed a fountain opened up, as Zechariah says, that can completely cleanse you from your sin, completely wash you from all the stains of sin. That everlasting life may be obtained, not only obtained, enjoyed. He provided his son, a savior. He provided the Savior, His Son, full of grace and truth, John says. He was not just a mere man. He was the Son of God, divine. He took on human flesh. He came to live in this world, a life we couldn't live. He took our nature so that he might die and suffer the pain for the the transgression of our sins. He was broken from that fellowship with God on that cross so that we might not have that fellowship broken through his blood. You understand when Jesus in the cross cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is taking that, that brokenness and that filth upon himself on that cross, our sins upon himself, and then that communion, in a sense, is completely broken. God, the Son, is estranged, forsaken. What a mystery that is. What a mystery that is. 
His blood cleanses us. Let me just say this. Cleanses us. It doesn't say that it shall cleanse you. Does it? It doesn't put it in a, in a hypothetical future. Maybe it will happen. Maybe it won't. If you trust and rely and rest upon Jesus Christ, His blood cleanses you. It does not say it will cleanse you. It does not say you might have your sins pardoned. You might have those sins taken, those stains taken away. The moment the sinner trusts Christ, that sinner is as fully forgiven as he will ever be in the eyes of God. Is that, is that not an astounding thing to realize? That that moment when you trust, if you haven't, this moment, if you put your trust in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you will be as, you are as full, uh, as forgiven as you'll ever be in the eyes of God. Fully forgiven, full atonement for sins has been made. That is indeed the very, the very highest place that we can come in this world. You are fully forgiven. That is the result, number three. That is the result, full forgiveness. If we are washed in his blood, truly, completely washed dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Forgiveness is full when you come to trust him. And that is what brings joy to every single believer who trusts in him. Everyone who, who comes to trust in him, that he cleanses Today, that is fully cleansed. That it's not. He will cleanse you. Uh, he cleansed you yesterday. Maybe today he won't cleanse you. It's not that he will cleanse you tomorrow. You're fully cleansed. You will always be cleansed once you are cleansed by His blood. Oh, I pray that God would open your eyes to see this. Even if you are one who has been cleansed, so often we forget, and so often we so often we go through this despondency and this this lousy uh, Christian living that that because we stop trusting the blood of Jesus Christ alone. That's why John is having to say this to the church and to the Christians who hear him. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. He's not speaking to unbelievers here only. He's talking to unbelievers as well if they would listen. But he's talking to believers. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Do you receive that? Do you trust that? Will you question the wisdom, the knowledge of God in this case? Perhaps you 
pushing back. Oh, certainly not all sin. Maybe it's just the, some of them. You don't know what so-and-so did. Those kind of sins cannot be just forgiven. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. And they are. If they're confessed. Will you doubt the veracity of what God says here? It is upon this, I speak to Christians now, it is upon this that your comfort depends as a Christian. Nothing else. It is upon this that your joy is sourced, from this that your joy is sourced. Well, you wonder why you have lost all the joy of salvation? Because you have stopped trusting in Christ for the cleansing of your sins. You have stopped looking to Him and relying upon Him. You will never enjoy Anything while you're still looking at your own self. Come to him and he will cleanse your conscience. He will remove the guilt from the dead works. As the author of Hebrews says. Place your confidence in the blood of Jesus. Rely alone on his sacrifice for sin. And you will instantly be acquitted of all charges before God. Oh, what a comfort. What a comfort. Let me say this to the unbelievers. Don't be foolish to think that you can go to heaven, that you can have fellowship and communion with God apart from the cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no fellowship with God apart from the cleansing of his blood. It is impossible. Sin must be pardoned. It must be put away. Uncleanness must be cleansed. And it is through, only through the blood of Christ that your sins will ever be pardoned. Nothing you can do, nothing you can suffer, no works that you can attain to, no perfect work that you could ever imagine yourself doing will ever come close to atoning for the sins you have committed. It's His sacrifice and His sacrifice alone that cleanses you from all sin. His blood on that cross his perfect work in pleasing the God and his Father. Don't fool yourself into thinking anything else. There is no fellowship with God outside receiving and relying on the blood of Christ and Christ alone. Because it's not just about the pardon of sin. It's not less than pardon of sin. But it's more, isn't it? His blood is the pardon of our sins, but it is also the, the, the way that man is pronounced just when he is in fact unjust. It's more than just pardoning of sin. It is by the cleansing of his blood that we are made 
clean in the in the sight of God that we might come into his presence it's not just about pardon it's about being worthy to stand before him cleansed white as snow and it is because of the blood of Christ it is because of his virtue it's because of the cleansing of, the, of his blood as we are made to be in his image that we have this impressed image upon us, not of us, but upon us of the righteousness of Christ that we are now able to stand before his presence. It's a change that happens in us. Not only that our sins and our stains are taken away, but that we are made to be as whiter than snow, as, as Isaiah says. And that is the greatest miracle. Leonard Ravenhill, the old uh, American preacher, he used to say that the greatest miracle that God can do today is to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make him holy, count him holy, and then put him back into that unholy world and keep him holy in it. So I pray that you would not trust anything else, no one else, no other work besides the work done by the Lord Jesus Christ, his finished work on Calvary's tree. This is the solid rock upon which we stand and all other grounds as the hymn says are shifting sands on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is shifting sand Amen